Hello and welcome to the Stoked on Spokes podcast. 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 Wait, like SOS? Well, it's about bikes, rides, gear, races, community, and so much more. This is the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Let's get rolling. Hello and welcome to the 20th episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Today I'm joined by Dylan Curtis and Zach Berend, both from Indiana. Gentlemen, how are you today? Amazing. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It is a beautiful day up here in uh, Warsaw, Indiana. A little rainy, but it's pretty good. Tell me about yourselves. Introduce yourselves and uh, what's your bicycle background? Why don't you? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Dylan Curtis. I'm the founder and team director of Apex Cycling Team. And I'm also the co-race director for uh, Fat and Skinny Tire Festival uh, located in Warsaw, Indiana. I've been riding for most of my life, but really got into cycling about 2012 and uh, just lived in Fort Wayne. That's where I grew up, uh, Northeast Indiana, and really fell in love with it. I just went, would never recommend this to kids, but I used to skip school junior and senior year to just ride my bike and went to uh, like kind of a charity ride and some local people who raced saw me from there on. They just kind of taught me cycling and took me under their wings. And I fell in love with the sport from the roadside. And then through the years was introduced to cyclocross and mountain bike have just always really loved spending time on two wheels and the people and the communities that I've built through that time have been like nothing else. So, yeah. And I'm Zach Barron. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. I got roped into all this crazy sport of cycling, partly through Dylan and his just constant love and like happiness and joy that he spreads around the course. But I was fortunate enough to have a bunch of friends in high school that raced, which is pretty odd for high schoolers in downtown Indianapolis. One day told me like, hey, come out to this OVCX race. And I think it was Hyde Park. That was my first ever race. And I remember going and I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun. Like, I got this, you know what I'm saying? And I hopped in the junior race. I, I think I double flatted. And I was just like riding around. I didn't even know how to flat. I was just like, woo. You know, I think I got lapped like three times. Yeah, I just fell in love with it. I remember watching the pros race later that day. And I was just like in awe. Watching Drew and Spencer like hop the barriers. I'll never forget that. Yeah, and I started racing cyclocross. And then a couple years later, I turned to the dark side and started <laughs> racing road. Yes. Yeah. And then now I'm, I'm down in uh, Greenville, South Carolina doing my thing, riding bikes and trying to stay out of trouble. Zach, your first race was a road, was a road, was a crit? No, it was a cyclocross race. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, cause I just know like Hyde Park blast. I think of like the oh, crit. Oh yeah. 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 It was, it, I, it might not have been Hyde Park. What was it? Something there. I, I just remember this big hill. And I, I was terrified going into this big hill. Every lap, I was like, I ain't going to make it up the hill. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So Zach kind of talked about how you guys first met and how you, Dylan, kind of egged him on to ride bikes and stuff. But how has that relationship grown through the years? For me, I don't know. I think I, I was racing with my high school buddies, like I said. And I remember there was always this one team that they just looked like they were having so much fun. It was the NeighborLink team. And I was like, hey. Those guys, they just like, like the vibes were right. You know what I'm saying? And they just looked like they were having so much fun. And Dylan and this guy, Josh Johnson, JoJo, they were just like always tearing it up. And I was like, holy cow. Like one day I hope I'll be as fast as those guys. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't remember how we first got connected, but just being at races and racing together and and then I, I ended up joining NeighborLink, which was such a good move and so blessed to be connected with those guys and race with them and yeah, it was such a blast. You know, funny enough, I don't I've been thinking about this, like knowing that that question was coming. And I was yeah. like, I don't 
feel like I really remember when I met you, Zach. Nah, I just yeah, remember yeah. like once I knew you, I knew you, and we were like yeah. <laughs> we were clouded at cross races yeah. all the time. And I will never forget at Brookside Park, like used to be one of my favorite yeah. races. I don't know if it was like the same day that I like I got like the whole shot and then I like was yeah. out the back and then I came back and finished like second, I think. <laughs> that I was watching you race and I will never forget this iconic map kit. And I feel like mm -hmm. if you posted it, everyone would know what map kit it is. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Like the dark blue with like the mm -hmm. navy blue, like royal blue. Yeah. And Zach just like takes off from the gun and he is flying. And then he gets to a technical section and he's like, like on the verge of just like chaos like wiping out but then like he gets it pointed straight or coming out of the corner and this dude is like takes off and i'm yeah. like this kid's awesome and the announcer's like yeah this kid he started riding and he got hit by a car and this is his first race back and True. i'm like i don't know who this kid is but he seems awesome and also like did he just did they just say he got hit by a car and now he's like out here like what I don't even understand like I don't fully know that story yeah I totally forgot about that that was my first race back and I was like I took off from the gun I was like I don't, I don't care I mean I don't got nothing to lose but yeah I I was going up to a group ride one day I live downtown Indy so sort of gives you a picture of my Sketch. riding conditions but yeah i was riding one day going up to our local like tuesday night worlds and this lady ran a stop sign and just like took me out and uh, i i don't remember anything i just remember like waking up on the side of the road and there was some lady standing over me that was riding home from work and like saw me by the grace of god and was like did you just get hit by a car and i was like you tell me like I, I don't know and so I, I took my phone out of my pocket and my phone was like bent like a taco and I was like but somehow it still worked shout out to Steve Jobs <laughs> and it like so I called my mom and I was like mom I just got hit by a car she's like where are you and I'm like a couple blocks away and then she like hung up on me and I was like what <laughs> and then my dad comes and man it was a whole mess but yeah, that that was like my first big wreck. Really shook me up, but here I am. A few brain cells less, <laughs> but still in one piece. <laughs> yeah, man, that was crazy. But yeah, I remember Brookside. And I remember there was like coming off that top section where it, it went into off camber. Someone was like yeah. holding out a waffle. And I like came by and like snagged the waffle. I remember that. But yeah, Brookside. I bet it was AJ Baker or like the Conways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, I, I bet it was like within that community of yeah, like Midwest yeah. Devo. You know, it had to be. So let's talk about Brookside. I mean, obviously, it was an iconic venue for Indianapolis, hands down. And then what was it like? What was it? Twenty twenty one. They tried to do Brookside on the other side of the park or something like that. And it's not oh, Brookside. Yeah. It's not Brookside, guys. I mean, I know it's like the Indy Cross course, but that ain't yeah. that ain't Brookside. Yeah, the stairs. You gotta have oh, the stairs. I feel like that is the last cyclocross race that I've ever done mm -hmm. was that day. And I hadn't raced in a long time. And I remember jumping in and doing it. Took my old bike back. Ryan Hayden, shout out. <laughs> yeah, I just remember like I'm never gonna trash on a course because I have found from my own experience it takes so much to put on an event. But like Man, I would rather run those stairs a million times than ride that course again. That was yeah. just a different level of like kind of borderline not fun miserableness that I was like, give me my downhill back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. So should I just you know, break out the Neighborlink socks? Neighborlink. Love <laughs> yes. you, you, said, you said it. So I was like, yeah, I should go grab one. Zach, do you have the issue of like trying to find not Neighborlink socks to wear on a day? <laughs> I used to. <laughs> I I still have that issue. I don't know how long you're supposed to keep socks. <laughs> but 
I routinely try to buy new pairs of socks. It doesn't work. I recently moved and most of like half of my belongings are in the storage facility. And I can tell you that more than half of my NeighborLink collection of socks is at that storage facility. And I still wear NeighborLink socks like four yeah. to five days a week. I, love <laughs> I am wearing some right now. <laughs> tell me about your, your, thing, your favorite things to ride and your disciplines. Zach, I'm going to let you go first on this one. All right. I'm going downhill mountain biking. I'm joking. I <laughs> I definitely prefer a road. Cyclocross is a blast, but as Dylan alerted to earlier, I uh, have some trouble with when uh, things get turny. I've found, but yeah, I started racing road. I think like two or three years after I started racing cross, and just something about the speed and like you're so close together. And you don't have to go as hard as you need to, like the whole race. That you just sit in and sprint. I I, I can do that. But yeah, I started racing road, and I love it. I love doing crits and time trials because they're short and fast. And <laughs> yeah, but yeah, crits. I think those are my my bread and butter. I had to say, man, I. I struggle with this because like it's changed over the years for me, like numerous times. So I am like most people that know me know that like I started with road and that was my first passion. I used to have a, (laughs) we love the name, a Lance Armstrong cutout on my wall. I think probably about sixth or seventh grade is when that started. And from there on, it was, as I started to get into riding, even before I started racing, I just had a love of racing. I can remember watching the Tour de France during the, the Schleck years versus Contador and Armstrong's comeback, then Cadell Evans and my boy Bradley Wiggins, you know, <laughs> like, so road has like, was the spark that lit the fire. And then once I got into road, I was introduced to cyclocross and, you know, I, I, w- I went back and I listened to a couple episodes of the podcast and the, the best one that hit it, I felt like was when Scott Herman and Ryan Hayden and who else was on that episode? Todd Grassman from Nebraska. Yes. Cyclocross, like the atmosphere that you get is unlike any other. And that was that was like the one true love for a while. And I like kind of gave up road riding for the most part, as far as racing was concerned. And then when things started to change, as far as just the community that I was around and I kind of fell back in love with road riding at the end of the day, it's like, I have an appreciation for all forms of riding, but road is just like, it is the end all be all for me. Like we would have other disciplines without road, I think, but I think, you see now there's so much road riders expand to go do other things. You don't see as many cyclocrossers expand to like the road or mountain bike or the mountain bikers expand. It's always the roadies that like branch out, which is funny because we're the ones that get the worst rap about bike handling and stuff like in 100% deserved. I mean, like (laughs) it took time to like learn those kinds of things. Well, hands but, hands down, it's probably the most accessible. I mean, you think about it, you're going to start biking, then being on roadways is honestly, or bike path is accessible way you're going to do it, period. It is. I don't, I don't know that, you know, I think there's like a bit of a change and I'm curious if like Zach, you see it down in South Carolina, but in Indiana, like the NICA program, the interscholastic like mountain bike programs for kids is a thing that's like opened my eyes to like if there are trails there's an infrastructure already laid there to to start to build from and that's been super impactful especially nowadays because like I'm 26 and like I don't have kids or anything but like I think if I was in a parent's position I would want my kid to be on a mountain bike or a cross bike before a road bike nowadays because 
I mean, that's why we have gravel and it blew up so much is because people wanted to get away from the roads, you know, because traffic's just crazy anymore. Yeah, I totally agree. Like down here, sort of seeing the, especially in the development side of things, I think it's a lot, it, it makes more sense. And it's like you said, like the cycle cross community, like, like road racing is fun, but like you go to a road race, most of the time you're sort of like, unless you're with the team you're hanging out by yourself you know you'll see your friends and say hey and you'll race and then go home you know but like at a cross race that's like people that's like the only kind of bike racing where i know people would come to the race and they wouldn't race they would just come for the party you know like and i think that that was something that i was like oh man sweet like everyone's hanging out everyone's having a good time like when you're racing, oh, you're racing, but like off the bike, everyone is, everyone loves everyone, super fun. And definitely like, if I had kids, letting them ride around here, like people these days are texting on their phones, not looking where they're going, you know. There's so many distractions. Tell me, uh, tell me about what started Apex Cycling. Yeah, I mean, man, I had a good friend remind me not too long ago. Chris Z from back in Fort Wayne when I worked at a local bike shop there that when I got into riding very quickly, I realized that, you know, I went in with the goal of like all ambitious kids do right. Like, man, like I want to race at the Olympics and I want to race the tour de France. And like, I want to do all these things. And then like, I did a few races and I was like, I am so in over my head. And I think I started when I was like 16 years old or 17. I was like, I'm already too old. Like, not that the door is like completely closed, but the likelihood in American cycling to get to those levels is probably past. I had a a unique upbringing. Like my family's outlook on things was kind of just like always be very realistic. And I found that if I enjoyed riding and racing, and being at races, but I enjoyed the people that I met more than anything and seeing them succeed when I had teammates and was able to experience that. Well, maybe I should like try like taking a little bit more leadership. I think the biggest motivator to that was Andrew Hoffman, who was the former director of NeighborLink uh, Fort Wayne and started Team NeighborLink. And, you know, it started with simply like, hey, Andrew, like I want to be a little bit more involved. And he was like, man, I need help with like managing the cyclocross team. Like, can you help in that way? And so I started to help and I started to realize like I really had a passion for that and a drive for it. And I had always tried to bring friends into the road side of things. And once I spent, I think it was about a a good year of, I think we did like 27 races. It was like, I love what we're doing at NeighborLink, but I think I found a group of like eight to 10 really committed racers who want to grow and put themselves. And I had moved to Warsaw and I was like, why don't I just start my own team and like make it a, you know, a little bit different than a club in the respect that like, there's going to be an expectation, but like you give, you get what you give, right? I've always wanted to give 110% and realizing that I wanted to be a team director just blossomed into to Apex Cycling Team. Even to this day, I think I went back and counted the team's full size with staff and volunteers that help us do things. We've got uh, 20, 25 or 26 people on any given weekend. Typically at a race, we'll run 10 to 12 people uh, just because, you know, people's availability to race and, you know, where races are at. Yeah. It's been really cool to see like a dream basically like blossom before my eyes and just keep working at it. And yeah, I feel like all the work that I put in, they give back tenfold. Now, is this mainly a road team or do, do you see, do you see them going into other disciplines also? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the question I get very often from, uh, from the people who, who met me through cross, especially in the OBCX community. 
And we're definitely a road team. The primary focus is criterium racing. And we really want to, we've had, I think, of the original eight people on the team, I think we're at five or six of them are still on the team. And they've done maybe a handful of like some cyclocross races, but primarily it's always been road with the goal of getting us to like an American crit series level team. So are we talking what cat twos, cat ones, basically cat threes make a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in development and actually one of the, the people who opened my eyes to that and makes me like really focus on that was Zach when I met him, there's like this realization that when people talk about sustainability and cycling, I agree in a lot of ways, but sometimes I just really disagree because I think the sport really sometimes American road racing and cycling, the responsibility doesn't lie with on within adults getting kids into the sport. I think a lot of it has to do with like keeping them in the sport or getting people late in the sport continued in, in the sport. And so my focus has always been that like, 18 19 year old who didn't go to college with a cycling scholarship or our biggest community happens to be the little 500 community at bloomington indiana where a lot of these kids are just finding a passion for bike racing when they go to school there you know at 18 19 20 some of them 22 years old that they're realizing hey this is something i want to do and I realized very quickly there's this massive gap in cycling where it's like all of these kids that have great support and either they like make it and go off to college or like get on a cycling, like a cycling development team that gives them so many resources or one day in junior or senior year, they go, I've been getting second or third place at races and I've devoted so much time to this. and you know what, I want to go to the football game or I want to go try this other new sport and suddenly cycling doesn't exist for them anymore. And that that passion almost is, turns into a burnout instead of a passion. That's really the biggest focus that I have. So to in, in long-term answer a very somewhat simple question, our team has Cat 2 riders. It's our first year having an elite team. And then we have 31-year-old first season ever novice rider who was a former national level inline speed skater who I finally convinced to start crit racing. So I'm I'm just a really big believer in like having all levels because our our fastest people him certainly at one point not been our fastest our fastest dude on the team i literally remember coming around a corner and seeing him yard sailed around on a corner he had crashed by himself i think he got a flat or something like a year later i was recruiting him to the team and he told me like hey you were at a race i was at and tells me like yeah i was the kid who got hauled off in an ambulance and i'm like whoa okay so and now he's like a cat two racer and yeah, getting coached by like Thomas Gibbons and and trying to like win some of the biggest races in our area. So are there any people on the team I should know about? I mean, I, I remember now who I was thinking about. Brandon Goodwin is who I know. Yeah. Is there anyone on the team that's, you know, I'm like, I want to say they're big names, but people you should get to know or should know in the future? I've, I've got a lot of love and respect for everybody on the team, but I definitely want to say that like, so Chris Anderson, is such a hard worker and he just started coaching people himself well i shouldn't say just he's been coaching for a couple years he started a little 500 team i brought him in and some of those writers have joined the team but he is just a really good guy who is motivated to seek success and work hard for it luke cobfell another one of our cat two writers was at a pretty high level collegiately went to IU and then to Lindenwood. Uh, I believe he finished on the podium or in the top five for a collegiate national time trials at one point. I want to say it was 2018. 
I might have the year wrong, but Luke's very accomplished and came back from a lot of adversity. I believe he had like some hip surgery that he, uh, he didn't end up having to have surgery, but like had some really bad hip issues and came back. And then I cannot speak highly enough of our women's team. Like, I don't know if you were, were you at Lebanon this past weekend by chance? Uh, no, I was not. One, because I'm in New York. That's the only reason I'm coming down for Whiskey City and Schoolyard is because, well, I'm mainly wondering because, you know, like I said, I'm doing, I'm announcing Whiskey City with Ryan Hayden. So I just want to know, you know, which Apex riders should I be expecting to, you know, say their name consistently? Um, the whole women's team. Okay. The entire women's Who's team. Who's on the women's team? They are, they are absolute rock stars. So we've got Evie Peterson, who has the most experience, one of the most experienced of all of them, who... She she just won this last weekend at uh, Lebanon Crit in Ohio, but she didn't race at Fat and Skinny three weeks ago because she had a concussion, and she also had hip surgery in November, I believe, and knee surgery in January, and she won the one two three women's crit this past weekend. Absolute hard worker, such a motivator of the other women. Elle Marley is new to the team this year. She was a novice racer, won every single race that she started, moved up from novice to a four to a three, got second place in her first threes race. Next race won down in Kentucky. And then she lapped the field with another upland girl here at Fat and Skinny and ended up losing in the sprint. But really, I don't think it was due to inexperience. I mean, I'm sorry, due to lack of fitness, it was just a lack of experience. Jess Hamilton is another a little 500 rider. Actually, everyone I've listed so far is a little 500 rider. Jess Hamilton is super fast. She started racing and won a stage of Tour of America's Dairylands off the front solo with Evie. Also there next up was also Catherine Free, who won little 500 in 20. 2020 was the race not held in 2020. I, I'm I'm bad on years. She won and is an absolute diesel. And then Hannah Copens, which was I think twice on the podium for Little 500 with her team, had some experience racing and then was doing school in Bloomington. Went to Louisville. Actually was hit by a car and had to like do some like a lot of comeback work. And then this year has just like really gained anew and come fresh. And I'm super excited. We have a new writer. Her name's Katie Carr. And she was part of Jess's little 500 team that got second place. She was just studying abroad and came back. And she's, she's seeming to make a lot of progress. I mean, she went from not writing for six months to two weeks into writing. I looked at Strava the other day and she like knocked out a 58 mile ride and did it faster than I did, which isn't saying much because... I don't, I haven't been writing too consistently as of late, but our women's team is. So it's safe to say Apex Cycling women's team is definitely a team to look out for. Cause I, cause I know I've heard for, for the race I'm announcing at Whiskey City, Upland's coming. I've heard rumors that there's going to be some 2020 riders besides Lexi Steerwalt. Supposedly she's bringing people that I hear she's not. So I don't know what to think yet, but it's good to know. I also get to look out for Apex Cycling's uh, women's team. Yeah, and Zach Barron's going to be there, right, Zach? See, tentative. <laughs> the, other, the other thing is, you got to tell your riders, hey, if you do Whiskey City, do Schoolyard the next day. I know it's a mainly Masters State Championships, but there's a one-two-three race, and it, it's kind of weird to see like Whiskey City. Well, I was I was officiating last year both the races, and it was kind of weird to see almost 350 people at Whiskey, and then like maybe 200 if we were lucky at Schoolyard. Me, it's promotion side. It just it's not as strong, but for a double it's race weekend, minutes away. Exactly. I mean, we loved it. We we camped out, not camped out. We got an Airbnb. The few guys on the team that went back came back to Warsaw, saw the pictures, and like, oh, dang, we missed out. We're like, yeah, man, like super technical, super fun course. It's kind of a no brainer, especially for for like apex. And I'm curious if Zach comes across this as well, but for us, I've always had this when I lived in Fort Wayne and now in Warsaw, the majority of my team. And when I was at neighbor link, we travel 
at minimum two and a half hours, but typically anywhere from three to five to six hours to get to races. And for us, if a race is 45 minutes away the next day, it's an absolute no brainer that we're going to, we're going to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think I've been fortunate, like being down here in the South and sort of, I think maybe it's just that there's more like more races or maybe just I'm in a primo location, but, or maybe I'm just lazy and only travel to the races close to me. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's a little, like things are a little closer down here, but I definitely agree. Like, especially I remember racing with Dylan, going out to Iowa, going out to Illinois, Wisconsin, like all that. That was, that was like every weekend. Like we were going up there for, what was it? Trek Cup and then Jingle Cross. Jingle Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and traveling with everyone's fun, but the race is 45 minutes away the next day. Woo. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> you know, I'm there. <laughs> right. So, Zach, tell me about what's it like riding and going to school in South Carolina? Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad that you asked. I will say, like, coming down here and riding is just like, a dream like it's like it's it's unbelievable i came down here what was it i don't know a long time ago for the hincapie grand fondo it's the first time i it was the first 80 mile ride i ever did and i'm from the flatlands of indiana and i signed up i'm like oh 80 miles it's nothing oh 80 miles with eight thousand feet climbing that one got me but yeah it's it's unbelievable like such a blessing being down here the riding community is just like unbelievable you got so many pros so many ex-pros like tons of people that are investing in the sport a huge focus on junior development yeah it's 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 been such a blessing i've been super fortunate to like connect with a bunch of amazing people and yeah I it's it's been a huge blessing and like sort of what we were talking about earlier with like there's a time where you race because it's fun and then you get to a point where you're like oh man like these races like it's I got to start committing if I'm really going to do this and I wrestled a little bit with like burnout at that point like I got to start putting in the work and I think like really like Drew Dillman he I started getting coached by him and he he was just a huge help and like helping me focus on enjoying it as I came down here and was far from home and sort of didn't know what I was doing you know like trying to like act like I'm an elite bike racer but yeah it's been great tons of tons of kids my age which I think is I don't know if that's like common but it's it's been great and the like Riding in the mountains, I've I never experienced that. Like we had Crown Hill in Indianapolis. I don't know if y'all ridden Crown Hill, but it's <laughs> probably fifty feet long, and that was that was my mountain. Yeah, coming down here and just like riding, just, it's beautiful all year long. Like you barely like the first one of my first friends came down here, and he was like, "Yeah, I uh, I threw my trainer away." last month because i never wrote it and i was like sign me up i'm, I'm there you know <laughs> yeah, it's been great. and going to Furman has been amazing blessed with a great community there as well and i didn't really enjoy school all that much in high school mm-hmm. it just felt like something i had to do and Furman was one of the first places where i found myself sitting in class and i was like man like I'm not staring at the clock this whole time. Like this is this is a blast, you know. And uh, a bunch of my professors are cyclists. And yeah, I remember my freshman year, I connected with one of the health science professors who rides a ton. And we had he somehow found out that I rode, and I was like, oh, let's let's go for a ride sometime. And he followed me on Strava. In the next class I had, he was like, no way, I'm riding with you. I was like, <laughs> what? Like. That's a common theme with people who follow Zach on Strava. <laughs> You'd be like, uh, oh, ah. 
Meet you at the coffee house after. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, no. I only, I only go fast like once a year. So down Paris Mountain with Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're gonna expose me. Yeah. So elaborate on Dylan, that if you can. Dylan will have to uh, tell you that story. <sighs> man, so Zach. Uh, first off, I have to. <laughs> I have to say, Zach is uh, one of the most humble kids I know. And I shouldn't call you a kid because you are an adult. Like, you're, Barely. are you 20? You're 20 now, right? 21. Fresh oh, my gosh. I know. Oh, man. For better or <laughs> <than> worse. <laughs> he is so humble, just super kind. And so, and his whole family, the, the Baron family, Every single one of them are some of the nicest people you will ever meet. So one year I get I get this phone call. I don't remember if it was Mike, Zach's dad, or if it was Zach himself, is like, hey, you want to come down to South Carolina for the Hincappy Grand Fonda with us? And I'm like, <laughs> George Hincappy? Like the dude, like Lance Armstrong's lieutenant? Heck yeah. And then they were like, also, Bradley Wiggins and Mark Cavendish are going to be there. (laughs) And like, besides Lance Armstrong, you are talking about my two favorite cyclists. Mark Cavendish is my favorite rider. Sprinter Cavs, 7X. Cavs (laughs) is reference to Mark Cavendish. I love this man. Like, (laughs) people have been talking mad disrespect since day one. I don't listen to it. Anytime the man wins or has a fall, you can check my Instagram story. I'm like, loyal <laughs> to the death. <laughs> he is he is the GOAT. Greatest sprinter of all time. He doesn't need to beat the record. He is the record. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I go down to South Carolina. If there's one thing that I can make up for my lack of fitness, it is bike handling. I don't know why, but like I've always been a decent bike handler. And helped me in cross when I lacked in fitness. (laughs) It helped me when I rode dirt bikes as a kid with my parents, like my parents. And so we do the Fondo, which I like barely somehow survived doing. And the, the first, the first day we go down there, was it Chris Butler? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was with us on Sunday. So like Mm -hmm. the first day we go through Zach's campus and Zach, was this before you went to school there? Was this the the summer before? It might've been my freshman year. Okay. So we like go and we're seeing like all of these beautiful roads and we go up this climb. And I remember like Zach and I like take off and I'm like, I can tell Zach's like, he's playing with me. And he goes and I'm like, whoa, this kid's so fast. You know, he's always fast, but he's getting so much faster. We get to the top, all of us regroup, and then we hit this downhill. Now, Zach, I think, knows how long the downhill is because he rides regularly. I kind of don't remember. Is it like a 13-minute descent? Is that right? That might have been a different one. This one is like three or four minutes. That's all it is? Depending on who you are. If you're yelling, it's three minutes. But (laughs) if you're a common folk, then it's like five. (laughs) so we go up it we come down it when we go down it i'm like man like that was super cool but like i really could have pushed a lot harder and i could have taken some more time i also don't believe in strava i do not look at strava except for people who are on my team and zach (laughs) and we get back and zach says to me he's like dude, I think I was like in the top 20 of times on a descent. And he's like, dude, you were like in the top 20. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, there was so much more time to be made. He's like, oh, we'll go back. We're going to go back on Sunday. So on Sunday, we go out with Chris Butler, who's like a former professional cyclist. He rode for like BMC, Kaja Rual. And we're all like chatting it up. And on the climb, I like survive and get to the top. So then it's time to hit the descent. And I remember, like, I don't even remember, like, I guess Keith was there. Mm -hmm. 
and your dad. I don't remember who all was there. I just remember you, Zach, myself, and Chris Butler waited a while for everybody to go so that we had like clear path. And I feel like there weren't many, there weren't like any cars that went or anything. And we set off down and Zach is going to follow me and no, Zach's in front of me and Zach is following Chris Butler. And, you know, Chris is like a world, former world tour writer. He's, I think he was still world tour at that point. And, you know, he's like ripping this descent and Zach's like kind of letting gaps go a little bit. And I'm like, we can send this harder. So I passed Zach, which like I shouldn't have done because, you know, at this point he lives in the area and I'm like on Chris's butt, like flying through this descent. And then I'm like, Chris is on like a gravel bike with road tires. And I don't know if he's spinning out, but I'm like, dude's not pushing. Like, so I pass him. Don't pass world tour riders, kids. Don't pass. I pass him. And I am screaming down this descent, railing corners. I feel like I'm a MotoGP rider, like perfect lines. I glance over my shoulder. I don't even see Zach and Chris anymore. And then I start to see like Mike up in the distance, Zach's dad. And I also see a car that is behind Mike and like heavy on its brakes. And so I'm thinking like, what's going to be the best possible way to get by this van? And next thing I know, it's a left, a right, and then another left. And I glance up to see where the van is before the left. And before even going back to tracking to the next turn, I know. I'm like, I'm so offline. I'm way too far to the inside to get this next corner. So I tripod, get the inside foot like cyclocross out carbon sole like <laughs> scraped all the way through a cleat down to the carbon sole on the brakes i just remember looking at my computer and the last speed that i saw was 45 miles per hour before i like slam into the side of a guardrail for some reason i don't let go of my bike slide across the top of the guardrail i still have scars on the side of my stomach from this and like I think at one point, kind of think that I'm going to be able to ride out of this. Because, <laughs> like, time goes in slow motion when these things happen, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, looking down over the side of this, like, it wasn't a cliff, but it was kind of a cliff. No, like, it's like a drop. <laughs> I was just about to say, like, if you ride this road, you know that, like, you don't go close to that guardrail. Because, like, <laughs> like, there ain't no coming back. Like it, like it go down. <laughs> and so I just remember seeing my like pink Oakley jawbreakers mm-hmm. <laughs> falling down the side of this hill, cliff, whatever you want to call it. I'm gonna say hill for my for my mental sake. <laughs> and then right when I think like I think I'm good, there's just loud crack and snap sound. And my handlebars were on the inside of the guardrail and caught, and it just launched me head over heels into the road. Fast forward past all the stupid stuff that happens after that and my attempt to get up and inability to breathe and a lot of pain. I escaped with a cracked helmet and a multiple fractured wrist, and that was it. A lot of cuts, but like no like deep abrasions. Proceeded to get back on my bike, shouldn't have done that, and (laughs) ride down the rest of the descent. Zach and Chris are beside me, and they're like, they're going to guide me down the descent. Well, you know, the adrenaline is pumping, but you also, like, I've just, like, fractured my wrist, and I don't have any strength. And so I'm full-on braking, and, like, what was it, Zach? Like, probably after two corners, I like pass you. Mm -hmm. I was like, and I was kind of freaking out and just like rode it out and we got back and it was definitely one of the roughest, like, yeah, I think I went into shock when we got back Mm -hmm. to where we're going to eat lunch. 
But hey, if you're going to go on a bike trip and wreck yourself, go with a bunch of doctors who happen <laughs> to specialize in replacing joints and stuff because they'll just wrap you up, make sure you're good, hop in a jet, fly home, drive home, and you've got a doctor's appointment lined up two days later and like, ain't nothing but a thing. <laughs> but Paris Mountain and I, the next time I went down there, I didn't hit the descent as hard. <laughs> the mountain wasn't ready for Dylan. <laughs> I, I still think that if I would have finished that, if I could have finished it, I think I would have the KOM for that descent. I seriously think so. Who who has the KOM right now, though? Is it you? You know it. Is it you? Maybe. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, After legend. Dylan left, I, uh, I took my... Uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. I took my... <laughs> Sometimes I think Zach is too humble, and I'm so happy he's doing this right now. What is the time? 310, boom. Average 41 miles an hour. <laughs> Don't tell my mom. <laughs> you might have to cut this bit out of the podcast. Don't I'm tell kidding. Julie. Don't tell Julie. She already wow. knows. I went out and I got revenge for Dylan. Good man, good man. <laughs> I'll take it back when I'm a Masters National Champion. That's right, that's right. <laughs> So Dylan, so you obviously wanted to take more leadership positions in uh, NeighborLink. You were talking about that. What got you to the point of wanting to put on, be a co-race director for Fat and Skinny? And- I wish I knew. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Man, it, so Fat and Skinny is probably one of the most iconic races in my memory, getting into the sport. I missed it the first year that I was racing, and it was 45 minutes. If you're familiar with Fort Wayne, Warsaw is slightly northwest by 45 minutes on Highway 30. If you've ever gone from Fort Wayne to Chicago or Chicago to Fort Wayne, you've gone through Warsaw. It's really nothing. Like, it seemed like nothing. I just had really special memories of friends coming, having like a four-person team at NeighborLink that we raced there. Nate Ganger, who's a good friend. Remember racing for him one year for the Omnium there. And I moved here in 20, 2018 for about a year and a half. I left for a year and then I said, wow, I really miss it. So I came back and the community here is amazing. Like everyone rides, there's mountain bike trails. Literally, if I were to like turn my laptop and open my door, you guys would see, I literally live in the house next to the mountain bike trails. And the event has been going on for 17 years this year. There's so many staff and volunteers that make it happen that I was like, you know, I want to be more involved. I'm not racing. Yes, I have responsibilities as a team director, but I think I could like give back to this community that's given me so much. The sport of cycling has provided so much for me. I wholeheartedly like understand and respect people who like are racers and that's all they do. But I hope that everyone at some point takes time to give back to whatever that most impactful race was to them or their local race. Because man, if you want to appreciate an event on a whole nother level, just be a volunteer. You don't have to be a director, (laughs) but I was crazy enough to be like, yeah, uh uh-huh. I was like, I want to be involved. And they were like, well, we had an idea of you like being a co-race director with Nate Lothamer. I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And the next thing I knew, emails were flying in and like checklists a mile long. I'm like, whoa, this is legit. This is a lot. But it has been such an amazing experience, impactful to see something from a different view. And it also gives you an appreciation for like all the other races you go to. Suddenly when you go to that race and it's like, I don't know, man, like, I've been waiting for results for a while, or I've been waiting for payout to get sent to me, or it's why are the field sizes structured like this? You suddenly get an an understanding of that. And if you didn't have an understanding of it, if you already had an understanding of it, you have an appreciation for it because you realize that it's a lot of people who primarily don't race. A lot of them in our community haven't raced. They just buy into 
the community and the joy and the healthiness that cycling provides. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that answers that question, but like, that's just like how I, I feel about it. And I guess I'll say like, it's not really been talked about too much. I haven't really shared with people, but it led me to accept a position with IndyCrit this year with Momentum IndyCrit. And I'm going to be helping with the communications to all the pro riders and getting them in as that's part of now, now the, now part of that American Crit Cup series. It's sparked like a new love for cycling that I never thought I would have. You either commit to racing really hard or you realize I need to do more. Some people just race forever and think that that's all they need to do. And some people just realize me, I need to volunteer. Maybe I need to give back. And then for me, it becomes, I need to volunteer. And next thing I know, I'm almost taking over Cap City Cyclocross. And then I became an official. And then I started my own race. And I somehow wound up in Mason, even though I lived in Columbus, Ohio. It made no sense. But, you know, it's it's funny how giving back means more than just racing. There is definitely an appreciate, like, a, like a fulfilling feeling that you get that like I got as a writer to a certain extent I got as a teammate even more which I think like I love watching Zach right now because like he is getting what I think as a racer is the most fulfilling feeling you can get as a racer is not just success but success with your teammate him and his DDP like teammates are absolute monsters and then as you know a volunteer of the event you feel like hey i helped do that you know like i helped these people have this opportunity and then as an event director to just be like whoa like we made that happen and then they made that happen because we gave them the opportunity to it just gives me a drive and i'm sure for you as well you've experienced it leaves you with this like exhausted mindless hangover but in the back of your head you're just like all right what can we do better next time i think after my first year of putting on a of being the race director at carter park cyclocross last year mainly just we we just did it on our own as an independent but i think i remember posting on facebook later that night that my feet hurt so much i am so sore but i feel like i'm flying in the clouds because of just all the love and appreciation and happiness i brought i've been like I feel like screaming from the rooftops that like people have been so appreciative and I'm like, don't just thank me. Like, seriously, please like tag fat and skinny tag KCV because I was one of, I think like eight or nine event directors that make fat and skinny happen. And I was one of the only people that was a co-director, you know, like for the, our road events, we had two people that managed that a lot of times there's one person putting those kinds of things on and there was one person taking care of like all these other facets. So yeah, I mean, if there's anything a person takes out of this, like seriously, like thank the organizers, thank the volunteers. And like, I know sometimes like it kind of seems like, yeah, okay, thanks. But like, if you're genuine and you mean it, like we know it, and it means so much. Like there's, there's, we're just as passionate about it as the person, the people who are racing are passionate about what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I thought I knew everything, and then until I filled out my first permit process with the township I was working, and I filled out my first USAC permit, and then I tried to get officials and all that other crap. I was like, I had no idea what it was like, and I was so underappreciated of everyone who who does the things that lets me race my bike. And it, it, it's so funny that, you know, people, they think they know. Oh, they don't know. <laughs> That's life, though, right? Like, isn't that like every stage of life in like your relationships and friendships you have? Is it just a constant like growing and realizing that like, oh, there's more. Oh, but wait, there's more. Oh, wait, there's more to learn. There's more to love. There's more to appreciate. Like. It's like, it's a beautiful thing, I think. Like, it's, as the kids say, mm, Picasso. <laughs> what currently gets you guys stoked on bikes? Besides 
kind of follow Dylan down now. I think for me, just something I actually I've been thinking on a lot recently is just like community. It's why I started all this. It's because my friends, it's why I got into racing and yeah, like that's why I moved down to South Carolina and that's why I pursued this weird, wonderful sport. <laughs> and yeah, I think community, that's been something for me that's been such a blessing. Yeah, like relationships, like getting to know Dylan. I don't even know how many years ago. And yeah. And then like a couple of days ago, he texted me like, you want to, you want to do this podcast with me? I was like, for <laughs> sure, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's what it's all about. It's cool to sort of start that as a young kid and come through this sort of development. I wouldn't say ranks because that's like too official of a word, but like <laughs> start racing and, fall in love with the sport and like now sort of looking back like someone asked me the other day they're like how many years of under 23 do you have left and I was like I think partly because of COVID like messed up my whole perception of time but man like I'm seeing myself become one of those people that I like at that first race in Cincinnati I was like in awe of these guys that just made bike racing look so effortless and so fun and so cool and they like i was like i remember it, i was for the uh cyclocross magazine team i think and drew and spencer i was like wow. and like now i i i texted drew like 30 minutes ago he was like i was racist with you. i'm like what like like that's what it's all about you know super grateful to like not only have all those connections and friends and supporters but like be able to sort of pause and like you know i'm training i'm racing and but be like to be able to like take a second to look back on that and like see how far i've come and like also see like man like all right whenever i go to a race and this little junior comes up to me and is like talking to me and i'm like wait a minute like that was me like that that's the coolest thing there was this kid I was racing in uh Commerce Georgia this weekend and this kid came up to me and we were watching the Cat 3 race before my race and he was like these guys are so fast and I was like aren't they like like it it was like we and we talked for like 10 minutes he was like what's going on like I'm I don't know what's going on and I was like talking to him and then at the very end he was like how was your race? I was like, oh, I'm I'm about to go. And he was like, You're in this race? And I was like, <laughs> You know, man. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the coolest thing, I think, for me. And that gets me stoked. Besides downhill camp. <laughs> man, that's so like that's so well put, Zach. First of all, I have to say, like, I love the name of this podcast, like Stoked on Spokes Podcast. I was like, Man, like, I feel like I don't even have to explain, like, I've had friends ask, like, oh, like, what are you doing? Like, like oh, like, one of the things I've got coming up is, like, I'm going to do this podcast. What's the name of it? Stoked on Spokes. And they're like, like, you're cycling? Like, like, what makes you excited about it? I'm like, but, like, I get, what gets me so stoked on it is, like, yeah, that community, the community that is always there, you can have... You can have like the worst week at work. And when you go to a bike race, that doesn't exist anymore. You, you know, you could be going through whatever hardship, whatever high, low, whatever it may be. Cycling is like such a healthy escape, dare I say, like. I, I hate saying escape because to me, escape thing makes me think like you're getting away from problems you should address. No, like this is a healthy thing. And the people that you can meet and build from here is, is what makes me so excited. I mean, like Apex Cycling Team is like my family, right? But like there are people on countless teams or not even on teams that I am like, I have such a love and appreciation for them. I mean, that's, that's what gets me so excited. I mean, I haven't, 
I personally haven't been riding consistently for the last two and a half years. And in the last week and a half, some things have changed in my life that like cycling is for myself out on the bike is fun again. And I'm excited every time that like I hop on Strava and I see somebody on my team has like done a ride or I see like Zach's blowing the doors off of people at some race or Zach and Luke Steerwald are like crushing. Was that Joe Martin where you guys went one, two in complete boss fashion? Like, (laughs) or then let's talk about, let's talk about Lucas's uh, lead out to win the last day of that. Also, that was killer. Unbelievable. Yeah. He, I think it was three years ago, pre COVID. That was our first time doing the two threes at Joe Martin. And, I personally got the doors blown off of me in that race. That crit, small fish in a big pond. And I was like, oh, boy. But our director was like, this is the plan. You know, like, here's your job. Like Dylan was talking about earlier, like, I think that was the first time for me that I understood the, like, the role of being a teammate. And we, like, we all, he was, like, at, seven laps to go Zach you are gonna just go as hard as you can for as long as you can and then you're done and I was like Roger that I can do that you know and Lucas won that day and that was like I was like it I like felt like I had won like I was like like I helped that you know like that was so cool and so coming back this year after a little break with COVID I think he was, uh, I could tell he was looking forward to that race. And yeah, I, if you watch the replay, he was off the front for probably 85% of that race. Like, and then whenever they would bring him back, he would just, I, I, I came up to him at one point. I was like, dude, like, it, like we got this under control. Like you can just chill. And he would just look at me and be like, or I could just <laughs> again. And I was like, dude, like, and I, I like four to go or three to go he sends another absolute smasher off the front and i was like and you know me and my teammates are sitting back there like sweet you know like (laughs) looking up the road and yeah that was very very impressive yeah and then i cleaned up the scraps behind him but yeah that was a fun race that is just one of those things that it just makes it so special right and the the idea that like even if somebody's not near you and you move away or you race somewhere else, I, I look just as forward to the goals and objectives of our own team as to like the races of the year where I know like I'm going to get to see those friends. Right. And, you know, is art is my team like grows and progresses. We keep outlining bigger races. And then I'm like, I wonder if Zach's going to be there. You know, like I think about that. I think like, I wonder if Zach's going to be there. I wonder if like Lucas Steerwalt's going to be there. I don't know if I like get excited if Drew Dillman's going to be there or not. Cause like Texas Roadhouse likes to like, just beat us up <laughs> respectfully though. They're very talented. They work for right. what they get, but like, we're kind of to the point where we're like, Hey, we don't need a Texas Roadhouse. We don't support them anymore. <laughs> but like, you just get excited for that. I've got, Friends I made through cyclocross, like Sammy Runnels, who used to ride for Squid Bikes, who now rides for LA Sweat. Like, I look forward to, like, seeing her at big events. And, you know, like, there's just, like, there's people all over the country, literally, that that you just share that excitement and joy with. And that's, that's cycling. I mean, that's not just crit racing. That's, like, that is cycling, period. Stoked on spokes. <laughs> literally. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you very much for joining me today. Any last words? Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. I'm stoked to see what the Apex Cycling team has for us here in the future. Yeah, like like Zach said, thank you so much for having us. When, when I saw your message on Instagram, I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I'm going to have time to do this. But I was so excited because it's just fun to, like, share your story with people, to do it with people who love and appreciate the sport just as much as I do. 
is is really meaningful and then share with people who love and enjoy the sport just as much as I do. So thank you a thousand times over. Yeah, I, I hope, I don't know if you do like second times, but like, can we do some sort of prediction? Because if it's four weeks out, a lot of big races, it's can we do all, some kind of prediction? What are you predicting? What's four weeks do out? Do we want to like stick to like American crit racing or do we want to go like, I mean, Criterium du Dauphiné just started. So that means Tour de France is rocking up. Primoz Roglic, he's making redemption. Tour de France win. Mark Cavendish, he's going to be there. If he's not, guarantee I am crying on the first sprint stage watching the sprint finish. But if he's there, he wins it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon page for additional bonus content. And follow our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on all the things we are working on. Until next time, just keep rolling.